Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Friday. Happy Friday, February 2nd, 2018. And happy Groundhog's Day to everybody. It's 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Your second daily dose of happy for the day. Apparently, the groundhog did see his shadow today. And uh, I don't think I, I believe it anymore because the track record is so bad. But it's still fun to kind of find out. You know, did the groundhog see his shadow? And the, the thing that I always wonder is... Who judged whether he saw the shadow? Like today, early in the in the day, Wendy, it was like half sunny, half cloudy. So if he gets a faint mm. shadow, is that a shadow? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I heard somebody call it Punxsutawney Groundhog. So does that mean somebody in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, has a particular oh, groundhog yeah. that oh, they, they, they raise for yeah. this purpose? Oh, yeah. He, he, he lives a, a life of abundance. I mean, he, he's, a, he's an LOA groundhog, really. <laughs> they wow. have they have an entire committee that takes care of it in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, and they they dress the way that they originally dressed back in the 19th century with the stovetop hats and you know, the 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 long tails and so forth. I mean, th- these people just go out of their way to do it the old fashioned way, but they still uh-huh. won't tell us exactly who it is who sees whether or not he has a shadow, and they mm. don't they don't tell us how they. I mean, do they interview him, <laughs> Mr. Groundhog? Did you I see your shadow? I do know, thing? and let's just say this out loud that. Seeing his shadow like they did today supposedly indicates that winter will last for at least another six weeks. And according to the calendar, that's correct, because winter is 13 weeks long. We're seven weeks into it. Well, that makes six more weeks. So even oh, that part now so that means <laughs> that we'll finish out winter instead of the spring coming prematurely. I think that's what it's really intended to mean. But uh, the, okay. the interesting thing is even in the years when they said that we're going to have an early spring, the calendar never actually started spring until April, so I don't quite get. It. <laughs> huh? That is that is interesting. Well, I wasn't around when they were creating the calendar committee. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, they do have a lot of fun. You can always tell because in, in all the photos, as they're holding Phil up, they're all smiles. They're all having a great time, and you can tell that the person who is the grand pooba of the committee loves being the grand pooba of the committee. So hey, at least they're having a good time in Pakistan, you know. <laughs> hey, if somebody found a way to feel good, it's two thumbs up on my end. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. And speaking of feel good, a uh, couple of interesting pieces of news where the book is concerned. First of all, the stories have been coming in from our, our large team of co-authors at a pretty hefty pace. 28 of them have now sent in stories. Many of them actually, including yourself, have sent in multiple stories. So we have, I don't have an exact count on the number of stories, but it's somewhere around 35 stories so far and more to come. So this book is wow. really coming together. It's, it's pretty exciting on that score. And I was also taking a look at the statistics for the website because, of course, um, we, we always want to keep track of how many people are listening to the podcast and how often they're listening and so forth. And last month we had a record January we had the most ever it was actually one third of all the plays we've had since the beginning of time or at least the beginning of the podcast <laughs> and <laughs> among other things I also discovered that the average listener is now listening to 30 podcasts a month that's mind-blowing wow yeah I mean that's, that's like one a day yeah yeah that's cool I mean, we're definitely making head, uh, headway with the people who are finding us. The people who are finding us are loving it. And, and I love that. That's great. I mean, something that I've been doing for love all these years, now other people are loving it. Like, this is, this is fabulous, <laughs> wonderful. I'm very excited by it. So. Is, and, and you ought to be because you created something a long time ago, 
and now you're picking up traction with it just in an incredible way, and your statistics are showing it. And it's unexpected. That's what's so cool about it. Because, I mean, I did it for, what, four and a half, five years without hardly anything going on, but I just kept doing it. It was fun. I was enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, boom, this huge, well, boom. <laughs> it was a boom. It was a boom of listeners. Like a groundswell. A groundswell. It's a groundswell. <laughs> it's a groundhog swell. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's been fantastic I, to do it. I buy into that totally. <laughs> I do. Um, now, actually, well, you know, the question that I guess I should have been able to answer is what was the sign? And I know that we certainly got the groundswell when I started asking people, please subscribe to the podcast because they started subscribing to the podcast. And that has certainly And you've added 10 more shows a week. And I added 10 shows a week, yes. And so now it's a we instead of just a couple of us. It's like five of us, six of us doing this show now. So, yeah, it's it's kind of increased rather dramatically. But I'm wondering if there were any signs that I might have missed along the way because, I mean, well, it's quite possible for me to have missed signs because I was never really good at understanding what the signs were anyway. And, in fact, you know, if I got an insight, I didn't know it was an insight. <laughs> you know, I mean, through the, the contact that I've had with you and with Cindy and Tom and, and uh, of course, Joel and David as well, I've been learning more and more about how to pay more attention to insights and so forth. So it's very easy for me to look back and say, yeah, I probably could have missed the signs entirely. But, I, I mean, I'm not really sure. Were there signs? I have no way of knowing. How do you know when something's actually a sign? I guess that's what my question is. How do you know well, that? Now, are you saying that, Walt, because you're trying to lead into our topic, or is this kind of separate? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. It's so both. let's talk about our topic. Um, okay. So our topic is, um, okay, you told me to introduce it, and you wrote it down. So <laughs> let's see. Oh, is anything really meant to be? And what I meant by that topic is the times people will – have something occur and they'll go, you know, like if something not so cool happens, they'll go, well, you know, it was, it's, everything's meant to be. And so, okay, if I didn't get the job, I guess I'm not meant to have that job. Um, or if something good happens, you go, look, that, it must have been meant to be because this good thing happened. And so that kind of goes along with giving meaning to circumstances and things that we would call signs. And, um, I just thought we could play with that. Like, is there such thing as a sign that's supposed to have a specific meaning? So, okay. So, now, so okay. If, if you can take that back into the questions that you were asking, let's go with that. I'm not sure I can. I think I have to start back with my original question. How do I know when, when what some people would say is a sign is really a sign? And how many, you know, to, to, to paraphrase Freud, when is a cigar just a cigar? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, last week, I think it was, or the week before, we talked about, you know, synchronicity or coincidence, you know, and I think we both concluded there are no coincidences. Everything is a synchronistic something that law of attraction has orchestrated on our, our behalf. Mm -hmm. So yep. if we kind of bring that forward into this topic and we think about, you know, is anything specifically really meant to be and do things really have certain meanings? Um, you know, I, I kind of know where I stand on that, but like, do you think certain things are, you know, like destined to be because certain things happen? I've always had trouble with the first part of that destined to be, 
Um, okay. Even long before I discovered Law of Attraction, the idea of fate just rubbed me the wrong way. Nothing about that resonated with me. And so when I heard about the Law of Attraction and how you make your own fate, so to speak, you, you, know, you attract everything into your life based on what you think about and feel about and you know, events that you participate in and what you talk about and all this other kind of stuff, well, that made a whole lot more sense to me because now you're not tied down to this blind, you know, faceless, nameless fate that's just going to determine whatever happens to you. So when you ask your question that way, that's what I react to. I react to, well, no, I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in something that, you know, is just completely outside my, my control. And now that I understand law of attraction, I believe even less in it, if that's possible, in this whole idea of fate. Um, on the other hand, do I believe that, that stuff is inevitably going to come around to me? Well, inevitable, I guess it's inevitable in the sense that if I focus on something, then I have at least... And focused on for a sufficient period of time, not just a, a second or two, but enough time that, that something could possibly manifest, then yes, I guess inevitably that thing comes to me. Uh, but at the same token, I can, I can resist it, which I've learned about much to my pain, <laughs> that it's quite possible <laughs> well, for me to resist stuff. You know, because so, I think it's very possible, I'll just use the job scenario again, if somebody's looking okay. for a new job and then they don't get a certain job, oftentimes people will think, see, it's just a sign I wasn't supposed to get it. And they kind of resign themselves. And I guess I don't think that anyone should ever resign themselves um, and, like, throw your hands up like, well, it just wasn't meant to be and I'll just move on. Because I think everything has information for us. So, like, if I was turned down for a job, I would be asking questions of myself like, hmm. So even though I really wanted that job and I thought, I, I thought that would be the right thing for me, is there anything that I missed or overlooked um, as in, what was it about that job that maybe wasn't everything that I'm really asking for that's really in my vortex? Mm. And maybe it, I didn't get the job because it really didn't meet the criteria I was looking for as much as maybe I thought it was. Because, you know, if you're in a place of being desperate because you're out of work, it's like any job feels like a good thing. But I'll give you an example here, actually, with jobs. Um I think it was about two or three jobs ago when I was, you know, obviously looking for work. I had got had a really great interview with this company. They said I needed to come back and interview with someone else. I said, no problem. I came back for the second interview. They had a glowing report. They loved me and thought for certain that, yeah, we're going to hire you. We just have some internal things that we have to do, check the boxes, mm -hmm. and so there will be one more interview. And we, even at that time, during the second interview, we scheduled the third interview. So on my way to the third interview, I'm on the highway, and my cell phone rings, and I click it, and it's a headhunter from another company. And he's telling me that we love you, I've seen your resume, I've already presented your resume to, you know, the people in my company, and they totally want to see you because they think you're perfect for the job. Okay. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that, but I said, I'm really about to land this other job. As a matter of fact, I'm heading to this company right now for my third and final interview. And this headhunter was really persistent, and he said, please, I, you're perfect for the job I'm working on. Please call me as soon as you get out of your interview. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I go to my third interview, you know, and I already know the people, you know, and I feel like I'm at home. And I walk in to the guy who I would be working for, and he had this really somber expression on his face. 
And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And he said, Wendy, I am so sorry to tell this to you. And I was like, oh, shit, I somehow lost the job. And he said, we have an internal policy that we hire from within. And we had a gal who's in our California office. She's wanting to transfer to Texas because her husband got a job in Texas. And we are the closest company to her. And internally, HR tells us we have to hire her. Mm. And she's the same position that you were going to fill. And so, unfortunately, we can't hire you. you, And we're so, so sorry. Mm. And I went, okay, well, you know, thank you. And I I left. And I thought, all right, on to the next thing. Let's call this headhunter. (laughs) And I got an interview based on the headhunters thing. One of the easiest interviews I ever had, landed the job in the moment. They said, oh, yeah, as I'm in that interview, they're telling me HR is going to call you like as soon as you get home. (laughs) And I ended up working for that other company. Uh Now, in hindsight, I started to really sit back and think about it. Now, I was in a a little bit desperate place because I I had been laid off um, where my, my position had been eliminated at my previous company. I was now out of work. You know, which means bills need to be paid, and there's no money to pay them. Right. And so I was like, whatever it has, whatever I have to do to get a job, I'm going to do it. Mm. So I wasn't even in the moment stopping to think about, do I really want this job? And it was at a dairy farm. Mm. Do I really want the job at the dairy farm? Well, I'll be honest with you. No, I didn't. Mm. I felt like the job was so easy. What he was talking about is something that I could do standing on my head, jumping up and down with blindfold on, and I thought, this is not going to challenge me. But it paid about what I had been getting at my previous job, so I knew it would pay the bills, and I just felt like, well, you know, it's okay. It's kind of close to my house, and, you know, there were several things about it that I liked, Mm -hmm. but there were some things that I really didn't. Mm. And so... I could have looked at that situation and said, well, I guess it's a sign because I didn't get it, maybe. But honestly, I hadn't really considered it until I got the other job. It was more money, it was more challenging, and it really fit what I enjoyed doing. And so the second job was really much better for me. Um, Let me ask you something about it. But I wonder Yeah. Let me ask you. um, the thing that – two thoughts are coming through my mind as you're telling these stories of the first job and the second job and how you ended up in that second job. The first thought that goes through my mind is you kept saying how you were desperate, but you couldn't have been all that desperate because your desperation didn't block an offer coming through. You actually had two offers coming through. One, they had to withdraw just because they couldn't keep it on the table. But you had two offers coming right. through despite feeling dis- uh, some desperateness. I-, I wondered, could you comment on that? Um. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be desperate. Okay. Whoops, did we lose you? But I was bored. I'm. What did you say, Walt? Your signal's bobbing in and out there. I'm trying to figure out why. And I can't, oh, okay. I, I can't see anything um, in my end. Well, I'm not so sure why. So what I was saying is, I wasn't really desperate. Yes, I really was out of work. Yes, I really did need the money. Yes, I really wanted a new job. Okay. But I don't know that my energy was desperate. Oh. Because I was more in a, 
watch me make this happen. Like, oh. <laughs> like I'm going to get a job in, like, no time at all. And I was kind of, like, powering through, which actually for me is a fun fun energy to be in. So you weren't in a, like in a, a really bad place at all. And watch me do it. Yeah, you, you, you were in a, a positive enough place that you could allow it in. That would be true. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. So that answers the first part of it. The second part of it is you talked about how the first one, the first job really wasn't going to challenge you very much at all. The second one was an improvement. And the question you kind of halfway raised in the middle of that was, well, what was that a sign about the first job? And as soon as you said that, the thought that went through my mind is, well, wait a minute, Are, do signs show up? In just in relation to negative stuff, stuff that happens that, that doesn't work out, do they just show up with stuff that does work out, or do they show up in both places? Because I, I, I'm honestly not sure how to how do you apply the concept of a sign to those situations? Well, I guess we could ask the question. The other job, which was in loan processing, was the loan processing job, the fact that I got and that it was the right one for me. I, I mean, guess, but where does a sign come out on that? That's the part I'm trying to figure out. How, 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 what, what, is, what is the sign, and how do we know that it is a sign of one or the other, either one? <laughs> um, okay, well, so I would look at when I was sitting in the interview room with one of the managers who was interviewing me, the part about it that was, to me, the most interesting interview I ever had, she hardly asked me anything about my qualifications. She spent more time telling me about herself and the bank and how she got there. Mm. You know, and so it was just more like, and we were having like a girlfriend conversation. It was really, mm -hmm. really, really bizarre. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, well, is there anything about you, me, you want to know? And she's like, well, I see everything on your resume. It all looks good. <laughs> that was it. Yep. You know, but it was like we got along really, really well. And so when I left there, I guess in, in a sense, I took it as a sign that the fact that she wasn't grilling me and that she didn't even feel the need to, like, do what I call traditional interviewing was a sign that, like, I was getting the job before I even walked in the door. Like, they'd already made the decision. That was okay. the feeling I had. So that felt, and I guess, I guess in a way I could say that felt like a sign and that it was, I don't know I w if I would get to say it was meant to be. But I would say, you know, that was one of the pieces of information that came to me along the way. Yeah, that would make sense to me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because even if you don't consider, you know, law of attraction type signs being involved, it's certainly a signal, a pretty clear signal, a, a nonverbal signal that, you know, like you said, you had the job when you walked in the door. About the only thing that you could have done to lose that job would have been to, you know, basically pour coffee all over her or something like that. <laughs> Even then, knowing her personality, she would have laughed. I mean, <laughs> she was just really funny. It was a funny interview. Um, but now I can tell you, I guess I've had a weird thing with job histories, but I'll tell you another one, and I think this we can play with even more in terms of was it meant to be or not. Um, gosh, this was probably back in my early 20s, and I love math. I love numbers. I love, to, I love doing 10-key, and I love playing, and I, you know, when we used to have money, you know, now I can't even tell you the last time I actually used money because we do everything digitally. <laughs> I know. But it's all, I love it's to, like, 
you know, like when you go to the bank and they like go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 1, 2, 3, you know, I love the counting of money. I love the smell of money. I love touching money. Um, and I know we're not doing deliberate manifest, manifestation affirmations here. That's not the purpose of this. But if you want to use this little piece of the recording as an affirmation, feel free. Go right ahead. Exactly. So there was a point that I thought I would love to be a bank teller. That just seemed really fun because you would be calculating things on a 10 key. You know, this is way before computers. And I would be shelling out money and counting money. And I thought this would be really fun. And I'm really good at math, so I, I didn't have any concern that, like, my, my uh, what do you call it, that my drawer wouldn't balance. I would actually enjoy it. I would enjoy balancing <laughs> money, et cetera. So anyway, I go in for this interview, and the qualifications were one year previous experience of bank telling and then all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I had all the other stuff. I just didn't have the previous experience. Mm-hmm. So I go in and I do the interview. They love me. Mm-hmm. Again, they, I need a second interview. I go to a different person. She loves me. One more time, there must be some synchronicity in my life about three, three times as a charm. So the third interview, um, it's all set up, and they're like, this is really just a, a formality. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm, you know, like just in anticipation of this. And I was really thrilled because, once again, I was in a place where I had been doing all sorts of different things to earn money, but it didn't have anything that was solid. It was kind of like I was freelancing on anything I could do that I was capable of that people would pay me for is kind of what I was doing back then. Mm -hmm. And I was really hoping to land something that would have a little bit more security behind it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, bank telling, that should do it. (laughs) So anyway, before I get to this interview, before I even, you know, it's like probably three days out, I get a phone call from the first gal who had interviewed me. And we're just chit-chatting. Again, I guess I do the girlfriend thing really easily because we're like girlfriends by now. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. tells me, she said, oh, Wendy, I just, I don't, I didn't want to have this phone call. And, you know, lump in throat time. Mm-hmm. And she says, the president of the bank, he said his requirement of having one year bank teller experience is a must. <laughs> Even though me and the other gal who you interviewed with we begged and pleaded with him and said, you just don't know how good this girl is. And the fact that she hasn't had experience, she could pick this job up in like two days. She's so good. I, we just know it. And he said, no. <laughs> and he, she just said, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied and we can't give you the job. We're so sorry. It was lovely to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my gosh. I was Disappointment is like a mild word. Mm. I was devastated because Mm. I had my hopes up. I wanted this job so bad. I really thought that this was going to be the job that would satisfy me on so many levels because it's math. It's money. It's ten key. (laughs) You know, and I love to do customer service, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so me. So, you know, what was the sign I put to that? Well, I'm not getting this job. Yeah. And frankly, at that point, I was so exasperated, I didn't know what to do. I I can tell you one thing, by the way. Okay. Because I actually was a bank teller. Oh. I don't know if I ever told you that, but right out of school, I was a bank teller for about three or four years, something like that, five years. And I can tell you that, yes, you need math. Yes, there is customer service. 
and know it is the most boring job in the universe. <laughs> I just, did not know that. It is just <laughs> and, and balancing the drawer. Back in the day when we used abacuses, it was a real pain in the butt. Today they do it with a computer and it's easy. You just count the money and you're done, and it, it figures all the rest of it out for you. But back in the day, you know, when we had to do it with like manual adding machines and so forth, let me tell you, as much as you know math, it's not fun. Because <laughs> I know math, and I can tell you, it's not fun at all. When you have to do it the old-fashioned way, what you basically end up having to do is, I mean, it's easy to add all the stuff up and put them on the sheet and so forth. That's not the problem. The problem is figuring out what happened when it doesn't add up. Because inevitably, it's because you made some mistake somewhere and you don't know where it is. And so now you have to find where that mistake is. And if you had a lot of transactions that day, that could be a bit of a challenge trying to find that. I mean, there are certain little tricks you can use to, to find stuff, you know, taking advantage of the rules of nine and so forth. But bottom line is, when you have an, a, a, an overage or a shortage, well, you really prefer the overage. Because the overage, you're almost always going to find. The shortage, that's where you cringe because it probably means you gave out too much money. <laughs> yeah, I worked in retail when I was a teenager, and I do remember balancing the drawer. And so I do remember having to go through that. But I really, I kind of liked that. It was a great <laughs> challenge. I loved going through it, which is why I thought I'd love this job. <laughs> but, you know, who, you know, where were you many, many years ago to start me saying, Wendy, it wouldn't have given you the variety and the fun that you thought. All I knew was I was devastated. Let, let me tell you what variety yeah. was. Variety was when you got sent to the main office in, the, in downtown Bridgeport, Connecticut, on the first of the month. And that was food stamp and welfare check day. And all day long, you just processed food stamps and welfare checks. And that was it. That was your day. <laughs> And you had lines and lines and lines of people. They were lined up outside going down the block. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, they don't do that anymore because now they get debit cards. They do. They get debit cards now. But back in the day, I was like, oh, you, you, you hated first of the month, especially if you weren't like I was. I was a floating teller. I moved from branch to branch depending where they need me. Of course, on the first of the month, where would they need me? they need me on the welfare check line because they had so many people they needed to be able to service that day. Hmm. Oh, God. Well, so that my story's not over. That was just one segment of my story. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the story. I, had, I just I had to tell so. you. No, no, that was good. Um, I got totally, you know, distraught. And, again, you know, I'm just doing whatever I can to make, make the ends meet. But I knew I needed something more substantial. And so by not getting that job, it caused me to ask many questions. Like, what else can I do? And what other things am I willing to do? What skills do I have? Um, you know, of course, I was looking at the classified ads to see what was available and see if any of that would jog my, my thinking. But nothing really was popping up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because the one skill that I had, that I knew I had, that was marketable was my ability to sew and to make patterns because that's what my education was in. Okay. But that was not what I wanted to make a living at. Uh-huh. I had gotten that education for my own personal fun. It was my hobby. And I just had this feeling if I made money at it, it would never be my fun thing again. Good insight. It would become work. Yeah. But over time, when you do get desperate, and yes, I was now desperate, <laughs> mm. you do whatever you have to. Yep. And back in the day, I went through the Yellow Pages. 
and I called every place that I could think of that required any kind of sewing services. Oh, okay. And I kept getting no, 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 no. For all the traditional things, like the, the literal sweatshops, the manufacturing you know, of garments, all those places said no. Mm. They didn't have anything open. Yep. So I went, all right, let's get really creative. What other kinds of places could use my skills? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how this word even popped into my head, but I thought, well, yes, I do, because I had worked at a theater for a while in, in the, um, like, taking tickets. And I thought, well, maybe there's theaters or costume shops that could use my sewing skills. Ah. So I started calling them in the phone book. And one gal, I'll never forget, uh, her name was Laura, and I told her what I was looking for. And I even back then I was looking for work from home because I said, <laughs> I can sew, and I know that some companies have what's called piecework. Right. Where you go and you pick up all these pieces where they've already cut all the parts of the pattern, and you take it home and you sew it, and then you bring it back as a finished garment. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you know, they'll have multiples of something that they need sewn. So you're making the same shirt over and over and the same dress, blah, blah, blah. And so I told her what I was looking for, and she goes, huh, let me put my manager on the line. And so now I'm talking to Louise. And so not your wife, Louise, but another Louise. (laughs) And she says to me, I mean, before I could even go into the whole fullness of what I do, she went, well, I don't know about piecework, probably, but we need somebody in shop. Could you come in tomorrow? Ooh. And I'm like, oh, from someone who's desperate and has no idea how I'm going to make the ends, my ends meet in a couple of days when the rent's due, I'm like, yeah, I can come in tomorrow. Sure, yeah. And it was, wasn't even a, a long-distant drive. And she goes, if you could just help us the rest of the week, we could talk about what's next. So I went into work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at this costume company. And I was okay. sewing. I was okay. in the back room, and I was sewing. And it was, you know, totally stuff I knew how to do. Well, four years later, (laughs) I Hmm. never worked from home, and I obviously worked in this company at the costume company, but I was meeting so many people there, customers, that is, that would be repeat customers. I kind of learned about industries that utilize costume companies that I was totally unfamiliar with, and one company in particular said, or talked to Louise and said, could we have Wendy be the person who we work with every time we come in? And she went, okay, sure. Well, I asked, I said, why did you ask for me? And she said, well, we come in and we tell you all these costumes we need and we give you all these measurements. And when you pull a show, that's what they call it, when you pull a show for us, everything fits our actors. Ah. And nothing needs alterations. But when other people here at this company pull it, Things don't fit properly, and we don't have the time to get things altered, so we're safety pinning things because we pick it up, we put it on the actors, and they go on stage. Uh-huh. And we don't have time for alterations, but we like what you do because it always fits our people. I was like, well, that's quite a nice compliment. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to get to know this particular company that was doing, you know, renting costumes from the costume company. And eventually they asked me if I would come and work for them and do freelance work. And so eventually I did. And that's how I became a freelance costume designer, which I did for about 10 years. Wow. And it was truly one of the most magnificent jobs I could have ever had. It was a job I wouldn't have even known how to look for. I didn't even know what the industry was. 
not costuming, but it's called corp, doing corporate shows or corporate venues. Okay. I, I didn't even know such an animal existed. Yeah, I certainly But didn't. one thing led to another that allowed me to learn about something, and it gave me one of the most satisfying jobs I'd ever had, and it never felt like a job. It always felt like a creative, fun thing I was playing at. It was hmm. so fun. Wow. And when I put that together with the fact I didn't get the bank teller job, because the bank teller job is what led to me getting the costuming job, which is what led to me having a freelance costume career. Right. I looked at it because I, I was still in, in my religious belief system, you know, when I was doing the bank telling. And I looked at it, and I remember the scripture that talked about when one door closes, something like, no, 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 it was... um. What God, something, something having, see, this is how far away I am from that <laughs> world. Um, but it had something to do with when one door closes, another one opens. But it was, it was more than that. It was more like. Um, yeah, I've heard like when a door closes, a window opens or something like that. that. That's what I just said, kind of. But what I was trying to say, there was a scripture that had to do with that when God closes, there's a door that like no man can close if God wants to open it or the other way around. It's like there's no there's no door that man can open when God wants to close it. Hmm. All right. And I know I'm not saying this right and I'm kind of really bastardizing this scripture. <laughs> I won't tell But I really did have a belief <laughs> that if that door was closed to me and it was closed slammed shut, then there was a higher power than myself that was creating a sign that said you are looking in the wrong direction. So, and so whereas yeah. I thought bank telling would be my dream job, I took not getting that job as a sign that that was not meant to be. Well, was it a sign of it not meant to be, or was it a sign that there was something better coming? Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> Both. And how do you tell it's the difference? Like like, the bank-telling job was me going down the wrong road. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that at the time, but the fact that I couldn't get that door to open no matter what, I tried. Okay, that's a dead end, and now mm -hmm. I have to look somewhere else. True. And I did. I guess what but, I'm thinking is that you've had a number of, of things happen in your life, and, and I know this in part because of the stories you submitted for the book, where... One thing that you're hoping for doesn't happen, and you persist anyway. And you persist kind of with the attitude that, well, if this one didn't work out, then there's something better that's going to come in, the, in its place. And in your, the stories that you've told me, that's always been the case. So that's that's what made me wonder: is it is it really a sign? Isn't it really a sign that there's something better coming? Well, I would say I believe just in general that there's always something good coming, period, if you look for it. But in this, like in this case from bank telling to costume designing, you know, how come I didn't keep pounding down the doors looking for another bank job? But there was something about it that had such a sense of finality mm. that said stop looking for bank telling jobs. Like this is not what you're looking for. You think it is, but it's not. And Sometimes, you know, you don't really know what something means until, like, a long time afterward. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, looking at how my life has turned out and how I've 
learned, grown, and developed in certain ways by doing certain things. I am such a natural left brain logistical thinker that I think that's why I was so attracted to bank telling because to me that's such a left brain kind of job. But what had, I would never have thought in my mid-20s, well, Wendy, what you really need is something that's not what's natural to you. Mm. You need to do something that will be more creative and, and more right-brained to create balance in your life. I wouldn't have thought about that when I was like 23, 24 years old looking for the bank telling job. Well, then let's take it to the next but, step where, where, where signs are concerned and, and you know trying to figure this, this question out that we've raised for the show. When should you listen to or when should you pay attention to a sign and when should you ignore it? I don't think you ever want to ignore anything. Okay. I think always pay attention to what does that gut feeling tell you. And for me, my gut feeling was stop looking for bank teller jobs. Did it I didn't know feel why. Like I, I could have I continued to look for them, but I didn't. Do you remember that it actually felt that way, that it was like a message saying, oh, yeah. oh it was very yeah. clear then. Okay. I mean, I had to wait until I got over being so distraught and feeling so disappointed. Yeah, you wouldn't be able but to feel it. But when I kind case. of, you know, when you get in that space of, okay, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, let's revamp, let's kind of, you know, reevaluate the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And when I did... And I knew one of my options was, should I look for other bank jobs? And I just had this sense of, no, that's not the direction. You need to look somewhere else. And I'm like, but I don't know where else. And it took me a while until I came up with the sewing idea. Hmm. Okay. But I can tell you, like I was going to say, looking back in hindsight, all the years that I was doing costuming, which was about 15 it was in such a creative world, and I was really using my right brain a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it really, I really truly believe it created a greater balance for who I am today. How so? Because I feel like I can, I can use my right brain as, as well as I use my left oh, brain. Oh, I see what you mean, right, because you had the math background and so forth, so that's the left brain. Got it. Right, where I think had I gone into banking – and continue down that road, I would have been so left brain heavy, mm -hmm. I don't know what would have caused me to develop the right part of my brain. Not that everybody does, but I like balance. And I'm a Libra. I'm all about balance. That's the <laughs> scales. That, that, that has to do with my astrology. You know, not that I give 100% belief in that, but sometimes I can see how that's pretty apropos for me. <laughs> well, I'm not a Libra, but I do have and do believe in balance in terms of creativity versus uh, linear thinking. I think there's a place for both. Yeah. And so I've, I've made it and a point to, in my own career development path to, to develop both. And, and it, you're, you're right, it pays off. Because when you have both, you have more you can uh, kind of reach back for when you need something extra to reach back for, when you have to have that little extra to you know, get over a hurdle or figure out what your next move is or whatever. Well, and so, I mean, I guess I look at sign. I don't think of it in terms of signs and symbols anymore because I, I look at the world much more from a place of what's my gut feel on something. But I think the two go hand in hand, and it depends just on how you language it. 
Um, well, then, with that mind, let's go back to the original question, because the original question was along the lines of, you know, is, it such, is there such a thing as something that was meant to be? Right? Mm-hmm. So I, how, I how do we tie that is. in? I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't know that there is. I mean, when lots of times when I hear people disappointed because something didn't go their way, um, I hear a sense of resignation. And I go, well, I guess see. And oftentimes my internal response that I don't say out loud to them was, you're calling it was really because the the vibrational broadcast that you have on that subject is what created that result. And so then they're not looking at how do I clean up my vibrational broadcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And so just that phrase itself sometimes makes me cringe in terms of thinking, I don't know that people really understand even when they use that phrase what they're really saying about that. Well, it certainly makes sense to me. I mean, like I said uh, toward the beginning of the discussion here, I never really liked the idea of fate. and It just doesn't resonate with me. So for me, that phrase falls into the same category. You're fated. You know, it was meant to be. And... I, I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's my own internal connection to my own signs. I don't know, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit because if if you're faded, if it was meant to be a certain way outside of your control, well, why are you even here? What's the point? <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, and I agree with that. And 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 yet I will also say. That in a way, like when I look at my wanting to do the bank thing and it didn't happen, if law of attraction, my inner being, and all beings that are working on my behalf trying to bring me into what really matters to me, that door shut at that bank, knowing that even though I thought that's what was going to satisfy me, being knows me much better and knew that that wasn't going to be what I really, really wanted, that that's not what would really make me happy because the costuming career really made me happy. Mm, yeah. And I so I kind of wonder, and where my thoughts are these days, is that my inner being knows me so well because my inner being is me <laughs> um, and is, has the vantage point of being not physical, these all the things that are available and is able to open doors for me in ways that I can't even see. Like I said, I didn't even know the career I eventually had was even something that existed. Mm. Yeah. But my inner being and law of attraction knew how to orchestrate things in such a way that for me. Unfortunately, we're we're having trouble with your sound, so some of what you've been saying has been kind of lost a little bit because that's really unfortunate because you had some good stuff you were saying there. I'm going to make a suggestion because I need to tell everybody about how to subscribe uh, and and share with their friends and so forth because we haven't done that yet. So while I'm doing that, why don't you reconnect, and then we'll pick up the discussion from there. Does that sound good? Okay. Well, can you hear me better now? Uh, So far, I mean, the the, the thing that I don't know is will it stay because the sound – Usually it's good, and then every once in a while we get this little twing sound, and you disappear for a half second. 
so I'm not really sure. Oh, I was just wondering if it was my headset. I took my headset off. Well, let's try it without the headset. Let's see if it makes a difference. That way we'll have done a test. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you. Um, so, okay. But anyway, I do want to go ahead and tell people, if you are enjoying the show and if you're finding that this is you know useful stuff and, and you're getting a, uh, you know, a nice, happy, and, and non-negative, yeah, boy, that's a great thing in these days and times, having something that is not negative, that isn't filled with drama... If you're enjoying that, then please do subscribe. The people who have subscribed are loving it. Like we said earlier in the show, they're listening you know, 30 different podcasts a month. That's the new high for that. So, you know, if you haven't subscribed, do it. And you just do it by going to LOAToday.net. Click the subscribe button. It's really easy on an iPhone. If you're on an Android phone of some kind, such as a Samsung, Motorola, LG, Nokia, then you have to uh, download some software first, an app, to be able to handle the podcast, such as Podcast Manager, a free one you can get through the Google Play Store. And uh, once you get that, then you can do the search for LOA Today and do the subscribe. And then once you've done that, subscribe and then share. Share it with the friends, too. So just want to remind people, subscribe and share. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I, I, I don't know exactly where you started to lose me, but I'm going to kind of hit the highlights of the last point that I was making. Okay. Um, which was that I truly believe that my inner being knows what truly ultimately will satisfy me. Because after all, my inner being is me, mm-hmm. but has the vantage point of being not physical right. and therefore can see things um, that, and that I in my physical form have no idea. Okay. And so it would not at all surprise me if my inner being worked with law of attraction in whatever way that happens, I have no idea, um, to slam the door shut on that bank telling job because it would not surprise me if my inner being knew that even though I thought in my physical thought, my physical being, I thought that would be something that would I would love, I'm thinking now perhaps my inner being knew it wasn't going to be all that it was cracked up to be in my perception and therefore took me down a road that, ultimately brought me great happiness and great satisfaction. Mm, yeah. Well, actually, you've almost raised another topic for another show, perhaps, which is does the inner being actually manifest anything or, or does that actually have to happen for the, the conscious physical being? We'll have to explore that one at some point. But uh, the question you're really raising here, it's an interesting one. I mean, if you have something that your inner being is saying, no, 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 you, you need to go over here. This is where the great stuff is. Do, you know, go over here and do this stuff. And you're either being led to do that or you're kind of going there by default because you're not sure what else to do. <laughs> you know, Regardless of whether there's a sign involved there, is this a sign that uh, – that's not really the word I had in mind. It, does this indicate that your inner being is leading or does it mean that you're following the inner being? I mean, how does that work, do you think? I would think that it would be the conscious mind that's doing the leading and the inner being is like kibitzing in the back seat. Hmm, interesting. I don't think the inner being's ever in the back seat. I think the inner being is always saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. You do, okay. And he, it uses our conscious mind and uses our, physic, our physicality to do it. But I think our inner being is always in front saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. Well, it's certainly better than being a backseat driver, I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, I will tell you that when I didn't know what else to do and the only skill I could think of that I had left that I hadn't tried was my sewing skills, that was like pulling teeth to get me to change my mind because 
I had no intention of getting a job using my selling skills. Wasn't going to happen as far as I was concerned. <laughs> Oops. But what if by chance my inner being was saying, come on, Wendy, let go of that resistance. Let go. This will be the perfect thing for you. This is going to be the thing where you can walk in the door and already know what you're doing, and they're going to hire you on the spot. I was not in a place to hear that mm. because mm. I was so resistant to it. And so who's not to say that I wasn't led down a path, like, let's say that me in physical form was going toward what I thought I really wanted because I thought it was going to give me the result that I really wanted. And let's say my inner being is going, no, no, not that way. But I'm so headstrong. Yes, I am. I'm so headstrong. I'm going to do whatever I want (laughs) want to do. And my inner being is going, no, not that way. I can't hear my inner being when I've already decided what I'm going to do. Because that's, now that's not exactly who I am today, but that is definitely who I was in my 20s. I was stubborn, and I was persevering, and when I got something in my head, that was all I was going to do. And And you got some interesting results doing that, too. I did in many ways, but I'm just thinking, you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of retelling the story with the consideration that if my inner being was trying to get me to go another direction... I was not in the place to listen or receive those impulses. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go the hard way where I got my hopes up. I got distraught because it didn't happen. But then finally I got a little bit in a space of surrendering where I got a little bit more open because I didn't know what else to do. And that was the space that I think maybe my inner being was able to say, use your sewing skills, use your (laughs) sewing skills. And I finally said, fine, if I have to use my sewing skills, I'll see what I can find in that arena. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of signs that maybe are in our world that are presented to us, and we're not paying attention, or we're not listening, or we're so belligerent, we don't want to follow that sign, or we don't like that sign, so we purposely go somewhere else. Yeah, well, I think that kind of behavior happens anyway, regardless of what one thinks about signs. That's pretty common among human beings i would say i'm still hung up on what you said a few minutes ago because i was talking about how i thought it was the conscious mind the conscious physical being that does the leading and the the inner being follows but but it's kibitzing and suggesting we'll do this do that you know the other thing and you're suggesting no they're they're more at the forefront and i guess my question to you then is well if they're at the forefront and if the conscious being physical being is uh, conscious is probably the wrong one if the physical being is supposed to be following in a sense then what's the purpose of having the physical being? Just to be a follower? Are you there? Uh-oh, did I lose you now? I'm not hearing you. You could hear me how I meant it. I don't think they're trying to control our life. I think they're trying to say, here's the path of ease. We have our asking. We have our what we're wanting to do. And at that time, I was wanting a career that was really satisfying. I wanted to know where do I go to find this really incredibly satisfying career. Okay. Over here, take a left turn. Ask it, and I'm looking for the signs, if you will. But I wasn't open to hearing the signs from my inner being, perhaps, because that skill very well inner being also talks very quietly you know and i was quite the boisterous 
stubborn, do-it-my-way kind of gal. So I could easily blot out everything that didn't line up with what I thought I wanted to do. Well, well, I can tell you, speaking of blotting out, there's something funny going on. Like the universe is telling us to change channels here or something because, once again, your your signal is dropping and coming in and coming out. In fact, there was one point while you thought you were talking live on the air, I was asking, Wendy, are you there? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can tell you, first well, of all, the experiment. If you want me to hang up, up and call back in, I can. Well, we can do that, but I, I just want to tell you the headset part, that's not what the problem was. <laughs> we, we know that okay. for a fact now. But I, I just can't get out of my uh, awareness right now. We're talking about this stuff, and the signal keeps breaking up. And earlier this week, I spent a lot of time focusing on this problem that I ended up resolving with a computer. And as soon as I talked about the problem, all of a sudden we started having problems. And that was an LOA moment for sure. And I'm wondering, is there something about this signal dropping that is that it's trying to tell us something? I mean, we're, we're talking about signs, right? I wonder what mm -hmm. this is a sign of. This is, it, it just strikes me. This is a sign of something, but I don't, I don't have any idea what it would be a sign of. Hmm. I don't know how to resolve it either. Well could be it could it be a sign that the direction that maybe you're headed with whatever thoughts you have about technology are not the right ones or not the ones that will be stable enough for what you're wanting to do going forward well yeah i mean that, that certainly was the case a few days ago but i'm wondering right now where we've been talking about the science thing and all of a sudden we're losing signal i'm saying is there is that a sign of something I don't know the it's answer. information. It is information. Yeah, I don't know what to do with it. I guess that's the other problem with signs. How do you know what to do with a sign when you get the sign? <laughs> I mean, if I'm a pitcher and you're a catcher, you give me a sign. Like, okay, I got to throw a curveball. Now I know what the sign is. Mm -hmm. but, you know, if it's not that well, direct, what do you do with it? And to me, that's why it's so valuable to develop a communication with your inner being or with the universe in order to understand what things mean. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like one of the tools that some of my friends use quite often, it's called light or heavy, which is when they ask themselves a question, does it feel light to them when they think on the answer or does it feel heavy and dense? Because that lets them know they're moving in the right direction or they're moving in the wrong direction. Oh, okay. You know, it's kind of like the hot and cold game. Yeah. You know, if you're moving toward the thing that, you know, somebody has said, okay, you know, I, I'm secretly thinking in my head, you know, this book on this bookshelf called The Law of Attraction. Okay, now move, in, move any way you want, and I'll give you signals until you get there. Right, right, yes. And if I'm moving far away from the book, they'll say, cold, cold, cold. Mm -hmm. And if I turn another direction, they'll go, oh, you're getting warmer, and you keep moving that way. Well, to me, that's... That, to me, is the, one of the most vital skills any human on the planet can develop, is their ability to be able to communicate with their inner being so that we can navigate through this physical world in a way with ease. Yeah, that's similar to something that Cindy Chavez was talking about earlier this week. Again, we were talking about getting signals and messages from your inner being, and she talked about a concept that came from another woman whose name I can't remember, uh, shackles on and shackles off. Does it feel like you have, you're putting shackles on or does it feel like you're taking shackles off? Kind of similar to mm -hmm. your light and heavy routine there. So basically mm -hmm. what, what, you're, what you and she are, are advocating is turn it into a yes-no thing. 
you know, on off, mm -hmm. something that you can turn into. Exactly. Just, it's just, there's just two choices. Which one is it? And that way there's an easy way to send a signal. Right. So if I knew how to do this when I was looking for the bank job, mm -hmm. and if after I'd been told that, no, you're not getting the job, I could have asked the universe, do I continue to look for banks as a place of employment? Mm -hmm. And let's say I got the answer, no. Okay, well, where do I look for a job? So let's say That's I want to... That's not a yes or no. That's right. Yeah, there's no quick answer to that for as a binary type response. But okay, right. so let's say I want to get this kind of thing going with my inner being. Okay, how do I initiate it? How do I say, okay, we're going to play the yes no game. We're going to play the feel good feel bad game. Whatever you want to call it. How do I know what the signals are? You know, is it one for a fastball, two is a curve? I mean, what are the signals? <laughs> Well, I, re I, re I know that we talked about this on another show where I talked about how you set up the signals where you base, base something on what you know is true and what is not, where I, I remember saying something like, if I said my name is Walt, okay, what, what, how does that feel to me? Mm -hmm. And I think I said, it, I, when I say my name is Walt because I know that's not true, I kind of get a... a, a pit of the stomach kind of sensation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I kept saying things that I knew were not true over and over, and I kept getting this same pit in my stomach feeling. So that was my indication for that's what a no signal is. Right. So in other words, use uh, questions that have known answers, and that way you, you kind of establish the vocabulary to get it going. Right. So it has a known answer, and then you pay attention to what sensation you experience. You might hear a sound. You might hear, you know, or you might feel something, or you might see something in your mind's eye, or you might hear words in your head. It might be no, no. <laughs> I mean, depending on what modality works with the most, that's how they're going to pick up their, their cues. Right. But then after I got my no signal, then I went to, okay, let's see what my yes signal is. And I said, my name is Wendy. And I kind of feel a sensation in the, in the front of my throat. And then if right I say, I live in Texas, mm -hmm. okay, I get the same sensation in the front of my throat. So then I keep asking questions that I know the answer is yes. And then that's what helps me determine what the signal is that I'm going to receive for a yes signal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I think those are better signs and symbols than just going with the arbitrary, something didn't work, it didn't go the way I expected, it must be a sign that it wasn't supposed to happen. I think that's too flippant, and that's not re really utilizing the deliberateness behind understanding law of attraction. Hmm. So what is the best way to handle it? Well, I can't even get into that question because we're down to the last minute, so there's not enough time to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll have to limit it to saying thank you for joining us this week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Don't forget to share, too. Subscribe and share. That's our, our new model here on LOA Today. And, Wendy, if someone's looking for that personal touch, how do they get in touch with you again? They can contact me on my website at wendydiller.com. Excellent. Well, have a great weekend. I know I'm planning to. I hope you do, too. Yes, I will have a great weekend. hope all of our listeners have a wonderful weekend. Absolutely. And, and then when the weekend is done, make sure you come back and join us once again on Monday here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.